right. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Bible Quest, the Tuesday edition. I'm your host, Jonathan Sadler. Um, Scott, you want to get us started on what we're going to be doing today? Yeah, I'm going to be interviewing our panelists about examples of jobs done well. So throughout scripture, we see people who didn't do good jobs. We see people who did do good jobs uh, in, in a variety of areas. Uh, and in our own lives, we see that too. And so if you think about in your life, you know people that have really struggled in certain areas and you know people who have excelled. The people who excel in a particular area are of great benefit to the rest of us because we can look and learn from the examples that they set. So I'm gonna be asking our panelists to describe examples of people that they have known, families that they have known, individuals that they have known that have really excelled in certain areas. Maybe it's in the role of being a husband. Maybe it's in the role of being a father. Maybe it's in the role of being a mother or a wife. Maybe it's in the role of being a teenager, you know, like Josiah or Timothy in the Bible. Um, maybe it's in the role of being able to effectively set up Bible studies, uh, bring visitors to church. Uh, maybe it's in a role of teaching Bible studies. Maybe it's in a role of being effective at correcting a brother that needed to be corrected. And toward the end of the program, we may get into like some specific things we found in our own lives where, oh, wow, this didn't work, but this does. But I want to start off with examples that we have seen in other people. And so uh, let's, let's start with this one, maybe. Who's somebody you know, and you don't have to use their name, who has been really, really effective at overcoming a challenge? There's all sorts of challenges. There's health challenges, financial challenges, upbringing challenges, you know, and a lot of people sometimes go through a really, really rough thing. And we live in a culture right now that celebrates victimhood. And so, like, if I've had challenges and I've been a victim, then everybody needs to cater to me and understand, you know, that I'm a victim. And there's other people that know they've been the victim of some things, but they have turned around and just done astonishingly well. And so somebody inspiring that you've known, whatever type of challenge it is, that just really stood up to a challenge and just did well. What were some things that you noticed about that person? What were some things that you noticed that they did do that really helped them? What are maybe some things you noticed that they didn't do? So anybody got an example like that? Well, I, I can think of somebody I know who uh, in the face of just just in a lot of ways, it's it's a normal kind of person who's living a normal, great, perfect life. Uh, but then the reality is, is that we all have challenges. Um, and the more I get to know this individual, the more I know about their personal um, challenges physically in their life, as well as emotionally um, uh, and dealing with uh, the difficulties in their childhood because their family um, seemed normal and seemed fine. And it turns out um, it, that was not the case that's just becoming more and more normal as I've um, 
as I've interacted with people. Yeah. And what strikes me uh, in particular with this one person, I cannot remember. Um, I think it's a phrase that shows up a number of times in the Psalms, and I can't remember where they were pointing to. But there's a line in the, uh, that shows up, you have set me in a large place, or you've set my feet in a broad plain. And there's this image of God taking a person and setting them in this broad place, broad, even plain, open field. It can be translated some different ways like that. But the, the, the perspective is God has put this person not in a desert. Sometimes that's the image that we think in the psalm. Oh, it's this empty place, but rather it is an opportunity um, they're, they, they saw that God, they recognized where God had taken them, um, despite their difficulties, despite the challenges that they had. At that time, this person, when they were talking with me, they couldn't do a lot at that moment because they were uh, caught up in sickness and um, caught up with family life. And so they were limited as to how often they could get out and do a Bible study, go out and meet new people, uh, get out and start new projects. Yeah. But they saw that God had placed them in a broad place, a broad open plain where they could still um, operate. They could take care of their family. They could take care of themselves. They could read God's word. And for that person, the key was, um, honestly, it was acknowledging that their life had some pretty big limits. Uh, there's a wall here and I can't go there. And there's a wall here and I can't go there acknowledging those limits, but then seeing where it was that God had placed them anyways. It reminds me of Paul when he writes to the Philippians. He's not sitting there whining about that he's, you know, a prisoner and can't go wherever he wants to go and, and bemoaning the fact that he can't do anything. Mm -hmm. He knows that he's limited in that, but look what he accomplishes besides all the other good work he was doing just with the letter to the Philippians and all the benefit that it's done for everyone there. So that's a powerful lesson. Jonathan, you had something, I think. Yeah, um, I, uh, I was turning, I have two passages kind of in mind that, that remind me of, of this guy. Um, some of you guys may know this guy. Uh, I'm just gonna describe kind of his situation. Um, that there was a guy who, uh, he, was, he was a pretty athletic guy. Um, pretty well-respected, good speaker, good teacher, just kind of had a lot of things going for him, really kind of good in almost everything that he did um, and really well-liked. And he was in an accident at work um, where uh, he ended up being pinned for most of the day by a really heavy piece of machinery um, and uh, had his leg amputated. Um, as a result, almost died, if I understand correctly. Um, but he, he survived. Uh, he's doing really well now. Um, which is cool, but he, he lost his leg. And I remember hearing him tell the story um, that whenever, uh, you know, he was being airlifted to the hospital and got to the hospital and he was unconscious and he woke up in the hospital and it was just him and his dad that were in the room. And he said that his dad just told him something to the effect, I don't remember the exact words, but something to the effect of now is when everything that you've been teaching all of your life really matters. Oh, yeah. Um, and that might not be exactly, but, but the point was, you know, you can talk a really big talk when everything is going really well and everything is lined up perfectly for you, but when it's not is when it really matters. And that reminds me of the proverb in Proverbs 24, verse 10, that says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. 
um that was that guy's life uh he was doing really really well in almost everything in his life work-wise as a christian as a teacher as a husband and his family very well respected and he got blindsided by a, a freak accident that changed his life and wow. that's when his strength of character mattered yeah um and i'll tell you what if, if you guys know who i'm talking about um yeah. maybe some yeah. of our viewers will, will know who i'm talking about is a super encouraging man <laughs> to me, even still. I don't see him very regularly. I've heard him speak a couple of times. Um, I, I know his family, but I don't know him super personally, but he's incredibly encouraging to me and, and how he rose up in the day of adversity and, and didn't let it break him kind of in that way. There's another um, passage that, uh, that, that reminds me, uh, that type of thing reminds me of in um, Jeremiah uh, 12. Um, where the Lord is speaking to Jeremiah and um, he's basically telling him that things are going to get really, really hard <laughs> in Israel. Um, and Jeremiah is complaining, well, they're already kind of hard. And the Lord says to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 12, verse five, if you have raced with men on foot and they have wearied you, how will you compete with horses? Um, and the, the point of that is like, you think your life is difficult now. How are you going to survive when something harder happens? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but that guy and like Jeremiah and that proverb, what that shows is the, the value of good teaching and a good foundation. And then using that foundation to continue to build whenever hard things happen to you. James will word it in James one as like count it all joy when you encounter various trials, because the testing of your faith produces endurance. And that leads to steadfastness and makes you perfect and complete. Um, it's really a decision whenever you face something hard, are you going to let that mold you and shape you into something stronger for the Lord? And like what Dan brought up, you know, see where the Lord has placed you and what you can still do for the Lord, or will you let it break you? Um, and it's your decision to do that. Very good. Very good. Just, uh, yeah, mine's, uh, a sister, uh, we worked with some time ago and her husband was sick for a long time um and it was it was pretty clear that he was he was going to pass away we weren't quite sure when this is one of those he's getting worse and worse uh and the way they worked through that was beautiful uh and that's another story entirely but but what really struck me was how she handled widowhood uh early widowhood um someone had told her uh for the first year if anybody asks you to do something say yes and she pretty much did that. There were a couple of times she said no. Someone invited her over for dinner and she just had a long, hard week, something like that. There were a couple of times she did say no. But for the most part, someone invited her to go to a singing or to a Bible study. Um, she said yes. And where I was at the time, uh, the church we had arranged uh, the quarter before for a lot of the teachers to have like a teaching prep class. And she and I were in the prep class together. Uh, and she had just about decided to say no to teaching the next quarter, but she remembered that this friend had told her to say yes. And so she was in that teacher's prep class, even though her husband had just died, and she was getting ready to help teach this younger class, uh, the book of John. And we're just walking through John together. And he had the best time teaching those kids the gospel of John. Um, and they had the best time with her because they knew that she was there because they, she loved them, because she loved God's word, 
uh, there were some hard times. There were some times she went into class. She told me later, I'd ask her, you know, how's it going in your class? Because we're teaching John different levels at the same time. How's it going in class? And I said, well, today I went in and I just didn't know how I was going to get through it. But, but they helped me and, and we just kept going. And, and there was good stuff. There was good stuff from John. Um, I think there are times where we can feel, like you said, like being a victim. And it kind of gives us a pass to kind of say no to the hard things. And people will understand. The truth is, like, she went through some really difficult things. Uh, it, she lost her, her best friend, her husband. Um, but she decided to continue to serve. And she is one of the most other-oriented people that I know. Um, we get birthday cards from her all the time for the kids, even though we moved away. Um, she uh, helps prepare like a, a tea for some of the older ladies at Valentine's Day, some of the other widows, you know, <laughs> even though she's a widow herself. Uh, she's just constantly encouraging babysitting. Um, you know, she would she would stop at the drop of the hat just to help us with packing and moving. Uh, she's just thinking about other people rather than her own problems. Uh, and so that, that's, I think, a huge encouragement is when, when we can make other people more important than ourselves. Very good. Yeah, those are powerful examples. Um, so we can learn lessons from these people, and these are biblical examples. Um, there's uh, there, there's biblical principles, you know, found in these examples. Uh, when we focus on self and selfishness, when we put ourselves first, when we put our hurts and our wounds in our being the victim and everything first, and we just focus on that, that's not productive. But when we do what's good for other people and like this one, here's a terrible tragedy in her life and she makes herself a servant to others and she widely benefited a lot of other people, but guess who else benefited from all of that? She did herself for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, so what did Jesus say? It's more blessed to Give than to receive. Give and receive. And the examples you guys are describing are examples of people that, that do that. These are powerful. All right, let's move to another topic. Let's say um, marriage. <clears throat> Give them something, some practical lessons from a marriage that you greatly respect and have learned lessons from. What, what stood out to you in that marriage that can help encourage uh, the rest of us and our audience? to learn some lessons on that. Who's somebody that's done it just really well? Maybe it's a wife that you're thinking of or a husband or just a couple together. I'll throw one out while you guys are thinking. There's a couple I know and I've counted on them uh, from time to time to help people because they have a wonderful marriage and it didn't used to be. Years ago, she was a Christian and he was, and he was an adulterer. And he would repeatedly be unfaithful to it. But he repented. He, he didn't just say, I'll try to do better. He repented and he became a disciple of Christ. And he became the man that her husband, that, her, that his wife wanted him to be. And I've only known them as a respected couple in love. They've shared their back history but it's it's not a repeating history it's it, there's such an example of even in a really bad marriage that needs repair and you feel it's hopeless 
if you know if you knew this couple you'd look at them and you'd realize wow what a beautiful relationship that you can have if you put if you repent and put the lord first so that's that's one i'll mention what's what's another marriage success story that you want to share the um trying to think of something just specific to bring up because there's really a lot um but uh the the couple tj and i before we were married when we were engaged um we we met with a couple which i recommend doing um meet with somebody to talk about things with marriage things to prepare for marriage maybe even before you get engaged you can talk with older wiser more experienced couples um about marriage and how to prepare yourself but we, we met with a couple while we were engaged pretty regularly and talked about different things. Um, and one of the things that they brought up that was really helpful and something that they try to do, um, and I can see it in, in their lives, uh, is thinking of their relationship in a, um, I, I guess, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, like a fluid transforming type of way. Um, the phrase that that they would use to describe this is uh, when you marry somebody, you need to realize that uh, you're marrying really kind of three people. You're marrying the person uh, that, that you're marrying. You're marrying the person who uh, will become a new person because of them marrying you. And uh, you're marrying, what is the third one? Man, now I'm butchering it. Um, but the, the idea of it is, growing together yeah yeah growing together yeah yeah who they are who they're going to become and who they're going to become because they're married to you that's what it is those are the, the three things and the idea of that is growing together in your relationship and realizing that as you get older you're each going to be changing your relationship's going to be changing your needs are going to be changing and things that work in the beginning of your marriage might not always work in that way and you need to be willing to adapt and change to that um some particular challenges that might come up could be some health problems like we talked about you know uh hardships that you might go through um you know there might be some debilitating disease that one of you gets and your relationship's going to have to drastically change there could just be character changes as you grow and mature um you're going to have to you know change how you approach certain situations uh, when you start getting older and you need to start taking care of your parents, um, that'll be a struggle and a hardship to deal with, but you need to be willing to kind of work through those different kinds of things. So I guess the, the idea that I really learned from them is um, don't just get comfortable with how things are, but be willing to adapt to different situations and communicate openly about those things. It's something that I know that I need to really improve on. Um, and, you know, I've been married for almost three years. Um, and our marriage now is totally different from when we were originally married. Um, a lot of things have changed in three years and things will continue to change and we need to keep adapting and growing together in those. Anybody else on that before we move to a different topic? Justin. I'll try to make this quick. Um, this is similar in, in a way. Uh, there are two couples I'm thinking of. Um, one, I met when they were going through some really hard times. I didn't even really know they were going through some hard times and it came out later. And um, they really transformed their marriage really quickly, uh, but it was hard. And one of the things that they got busy working on, um, he was fairly passive in their relationship. 
uh, and part of that was personality. Uh, and she was fairly strong, kind of a leader in their relationship. Part of that was personality. And then it just, it inevitably created friction in their relationship. Um, and they both repented and he took on um, a greater leadership role, a greater servant role, I should say, and got, got some gumption, <laughs> started initiating some things. And it is so counter to who he is in a personality. Like this is not his uh, demeanor at all. But to look at him now, you wouldn't guess it because he just totally transformed who he is. And he, he really did become a, a different person. And I don't mean that he forced himself into a new uh, way of thinking, but he just looked at God's will for uh, being a man and said, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And she stepped in behind him and supported him and helped him and kind of pulled back from her aggressive yeah. leadership. The other couple I'm thinking of, they worked hard to do that, um, but they had in mind a certain way of doing it. And she had come from kind of a Christian background. Her parents were Christians, her grandparents were Christians, but some of those marriages weren't very good. Uh, and he had not come from a Christian background. So he was relying on her to kind of tell him this is what Christian couples should do. And they were just button heads. <laughs> and so we sat down and they shared, here's our plan. And then they thought, well, here's what a man's role is. And here's what a woman's role is. And I said, well, where does that say that in the Bible? And they had been trying to be culturally what a man and woman should be rather than biblically what a man and woman should be. And you know that passage in Genesis 2 about man shall leave his father and mother. That doesn't mean just leave house that means leave behind that culture and create a new culture in your own home and suddenly they felt very free to be who they could be in those roles so both couples kind of doing the same thing um but they just they both tried to submit in different ways to what the bible says about their male female roles and their marriages have really blossomed it's been a joy to watch both of those marriages over the years oh wonderful wonderful so just applying the biblical principles and following them, even if you're not comfortable with them at first. And, and, and when we put off the old, we don't have to put off our qualities. It's our sins we need to repent of. You know, I was talking about this in a counseling session earlier today. Uh, when Saul was baptized by Ananias, it's what are you waiting for? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Saul's zeal didn't need to be washed away. His willingness to go to foreign cities didn't need to be washed away. You know, his boldness didn't need to be washed away. It's his sins that need to be washed away. And, and so we'll be renewed by realizing here's the parts of my life that need to be transformed and renewed and submit that to the will of God. The beautiful things can happen. All right. Um, Dan, do you have anything on that or are you guys ready for the next question? Yeah, I just just something little. It, it's not much of an example, but it was, it was from a, a class that I was sitting in, and, and um, a, a married couple had expressed this, and I thought it was just a, a neat idea. And it kind of goes along with what you were saying, Justin, about um, having this this vision of what the culture is supposed to be in the marriage, and then realizing, you know, what sort of baggage is that, or trying to be good, and then realizing you're just not doing doing the right thing, even though you're trying to be good. It, it was a statement about how uh, within a marriage and then you start having children, uh, the most important, and it's not the most important people, 
but the statement was somewhat in the line of the most important people in the marriage is, is still the, the husband and the wife. Um, and uh, you, you can think, oh, well, I need to serve these others and I need to serve these children and I need to do all these great things for them. And that's exactly right. Uh, but then you can wake up when the children have grown and realize that you might have a roommate, but you don't have a spouse anymore. And that, that was just this really powerful statement of how important the marriage is uh, and how vital it is that, well, just like the last two comments were, all the growing and the changing and the modifying of personal behaviors and the way the relationship works, uh, you could have very good reasons to focus on some other things and then find out that you've you've lost uh, what unites the marriage. Um, you know, focusing on your children's super important, uh, but not to the to the loss of the marriage. I just thought that was a, a powerful a powerful idea when when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Our next question. Um, who is somebody you've known and what what did they do and not do that made them effective? It was just really good at setting up Bible studies. Um, and lots of times, sometimes as preachers, there's certain people that are just constantly feeding us Bible studies. Hey, I got a, I got a study for you. I got this. Uh, somebody that you know that's been really good at that. Um, what was it that they did or what was it that they didn't do that made them effective? No, no, I'm just saying that's the million dollar question that, that, I mean, that that's, that's the complicated idea. Go ahead, Justin. There, there's a guy uh, in Boston when we were there for six years and I think my last year there, he had probably twice as many Bible studies as I had during the week. And he was working at Starbucks and he was just making it, he, had, he rented a room in the park, like he just, um, and what was it that made him effective? I, I don't even really know exactly, except to meet him, uh, you knew that he believed the gospel. Uh, he really, it had changed him. Like he, he came to be a Christian uh, in his 20s, uh, left behind a lot of sin, a lot of selfishness. His life had kind of been a lie. Uh, he pumped himself up to be somebody. And then when he repented, it just all went down to ground level just totally raised to the ground his whole life um, and he started rebuilding and he was so happy about having repented uh, even though it destroyed his life quote unquote destroyed his life um, he was so happy that it had and he deeply grieved his own sin hated his sin and and was joyful about what Jesus was doing in his life. And I think that was something that changed his perspective on other people. So people he met at work, people he met, like he, he was aggressively pursuing his family. He looked around and most of his family were not Christians. And so like he was constantly at them for Bible studies and he still is. Uh, and there've been a few people in his family who have been uh, saved. Uh, one of them's here in Philadelphia with me, um, but he's just, uh, you can tell that there's nothing that makes him tick like loving Jesus. And that, that's not a technique. It's just what he is. Yeah. So it sounds like sincerity, enthusiasm, and, and willingness to keep reaching out. Yeah, and I think sometimes we don't share the gospel because we don't, like, we're not happy about it like we should be. 
and we should be. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And that's, and you know, when you're sincere and enthusiastic, that's powerful. Uh, when you try to fake enthusiasm and sincerity, it's not necessarily very, very powerful, but when you are sincere and enthusiastic about it, that has power. Very good. What else? Dan, Jonathan? I, just a, a, a quick story that, that, um, that, that has made an effect on the way I try to respond to uh, the, the needs that I see around me. I was uh, helping, helping a preacher. We were door knocking and we were doing it in the neighborhood that the church building was at. And that was really the reason why we were hitting the doors. Uh, it was it was a town that did not like door knocking, and it was very clear if anyone ever came to the door, uh, and that was very rare when anyone was willing to come to the door. And his philosophy was, let's just get these flyers out. He'd knock as he stuck the thing in the door and left because he knew no one wanted to talk to him, and he was okay with that. And one of the things he told me was, um, I don't like door knocking, or this is not my favorite project, or this isn't, I don't know if this is the uh, the most effective way of reaching people, but uh, we need to be busy doing this work, whatever this happens to be. And uh, we might not get any contacts from the door knocking, but God's going to open a door somewhere else. And this isn't necessarily a truth, but the reality is if you put in a lot of effort, maybe, oh, I've got this grand plan. I'm going to find people with television advertisement, or I'm going to find people with this radio show, or I'm going to, with the podcast, this is how I'm going to find it. And you put all your effort into something like that, you'll get a dozen contacts from some guy who takes a new job down the street. And but but the reality is, is that you're putting in the work somewhere um, it's not to disparage door knocking or to say, uh, find a, a terrible activity, get involved in do everything as good as you as well as you can in a in a good way. But just that acknowledgement of if whenever I feel like this might this project might not have very much fruit. I need to remind myself that it's it's not really how I construct the project. It's the grand work of the kingdom, and God's going to give me opportunities. If if I'm working in one corner, maybe the, a door will open up on the other side of the room. Uh, yeah, that reminds me of uh, one thing. There, there was a time I, I was going door knocking with somebody, and uh, we had we had gone door to door a few different uh, streets, and and no luck with anything, and. Um, uh the the guy that i was with all of a sudden realized wait a second we haven't prayed <laughs> for god to bless us in doing this and so we stopped and we prayed together um that god would give us opportunities that people's hearts would be opened to you know our efforts and things like that and it was amazing i, I don't know how god works and i don't want to speak for god the very next door that we knocked on we had a really great conversation <laughs> Um, with that person, but it really, it really reminded me kind of like what Dan was talking about in, in first Corinthians three, Paul makes it really clear. You know, I planted Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. Yeah. Um, and, and keeping that in mind in evangelism, I think is really vital. Um, you can get real, I was pretty discouraged after spending, you know, 30, 40 minutes knocking on doors and either not getting answers or people saying no thanks, um, or even being aggressive in some situations that can be a really discouraging thing. Um, but realizing that it's the Lord that's working in people's lives um, and that we're sharing the truth with them is really important. Um, another thing, too, um, there's a, a verse that's become one of my favorites because somebody brought it up to me. It's a really obscure proverb, I think, but one of my favorites, um, Proverbs 14, verse 4. 
uh, says where there are no oxen, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Uh, it's kind of strange at first, but the, the general point of it is um, if you don't want to get dirty, you don't have to, but you won't get anything from it. Um, if you want to receive blessings, you need to be willing to get down and do the dirty hard work. And just having that attitude um, in evangelism is really important. There are going to be some really tiresome conversations. There are going to be a, there's going to be maybe some wasted time. Um, there's going to be some disappointment. There's going to be some hardship. You might be mistreated. You might be attacked. All kinds of different things will happen. But if you're willing to do that because you really want the benefit of evangelism, which the benefit of evangelism is the Lord working in someone's life and saving their soul, if that's worth it to you, you'll be willing to do anything. Um, if you really care about somebody's soul, if you care about the abundant harvest, um, you'll, you'll go out and serve people in whatever way. I really like that that principle. Someone brought that up to me with evangelism. I think that verse can be applied in almost every area of life, but in evangelism, it fits really well. I want to share a couple of uh, examples. One was a fellow that used to feed me studies just constantly. Hey, Scott, I got another study. Hey, Scott, can you come for this study? Uh, he came from a rough background. Uh, he'd been drug user, drug dealer, uh, bouncer to strip joint. Uh, of criminal activities. And after he became a Christian, he talked to the people that he knew and in his circles. Now, some of them ended up overdosing on drugs. Uh, some One time we're sitting there waiting for the study to start and he's wondering, you know, well, they're not here yet. It's getting later. And he got a phone call. They'd just been arrested for being in a stolen vehicle. Uh, you know, so, but he was reaching the people that he had contacts with and just really, really good at feeding in studies. And then in contrast to that, uh, several years ago, uh, I, I was at a place where there were a number of homeschool moms and they were raising their kids. And some of them just kept supplying studies. And one thing I think that helped there was their kids people would see that, you know, the Bible says be a light to the world. If, if, uh, if I tell you guys that I know a method of making sure that you have a full, full head of hair, you're not going to believe me, you know, because you're going to say, you know, if you did, you would have a full, full head of hair. You know, if, if I'm obese and I tell you I, I've got this fantastic diet and workout program that just knocks off, you're not going to believe that. But when people see it making a difference in our lives, and so these moms, other moms would see the good job that they were doing with their kids, that gives you credibility. And uh, so they would lead to lots of studies. So there's this all sorts of principles there. Uh, and another one, of course, is just the people that don't give up. Just because this person wasn't interested and that person wasn't interested, we don't assume the next one is going to be not interested. Other examples along this line. All right. You know, there's, um, um, real quick, as may seem to like, um, my, my oldest son, he won't ever maybe listen to this podcast, uh, but I remember we would go to the park, go to the playground, come my kids, 
And um, all of a sudden I'm overhearing his conversation. He's like five years old and he's talking to the other kid at the playground. Do you believe in God? Hi, my name is Elijah. Do you believe in God? And he's just, <laughs> he just thought that was what you're supposed to do when you meet people. Um, and we were constantly riding the train, riding the bus, going to the playground, going to the library. And he was just meeting people. And I found uh, his example um, really challenging because a lot of times I go into public and I have in mind, I'm going to the grocery store to get this thing and then I'm checking out and I'm heading out because then I got to go to the post office and then I've got to stop by and I've got my list of things. And Elijah's perspective was, there are people everywhere. And so as we go from place to place, he's talking to everybody. Do you believe in God? I believe in God. Why don't you believe in God? And I mean, a lot of his conversations, I mean, he's five, so I'm not sure what he was going to do with those conversations, but he just loved people. Yeah. And so instead of, instead of going through life with my agenda, uh, going through life, seeing the people that Jesus died for, uh, that's, a, that's a different way of going about it. Hey, let me throw this on, on going to the park. So I did this last night and I did it this morning. Um, went to a, a city park, kind of the rougher side of town, kind of close to the high crime area in inner city. And uh, uh, one of my boys and I went, uh, or a couple of them maybe uh, last night or yesterday and saw a guy, played ball with him and afterwards, uh talked to him and yeah he'd love to study the bible and you know he said tuesdays are a good day for him so we're hoping to, hoping to get together with him uh next tuesday uh then this morning we, we usually have a bible study with a guy that i met playing ball and um last couple of times we decided hey let's have our study at the courts so we went we had our study at the courts several of us together and then we were going to play ball and there were five of us and there's one guy there and we said hey do you want to play and you know during sports you kind of learn something about people whether or not because the, the language at these courts is really really horrible and you notice who does and who doesn't and you notice who's honest and not honest about fouls and different and you're interacting a little bit and then we talked yeah and he really appreciated you know he gave me his number and i gave him mine and and hopefully we're going to get a study together here uh just interacting with people in, in situations where you get to know them a little bit and then open the door and see if they're interested and sometimes they aren't but sometimes uh yesterday one and today one so you know it's sometimes it works go ahead john this is just a small thing too. Um, the, the purpose of this is not to say like, oh, we need to figure out um, a really trendy way of sharing the gospel right, with right. people. Um, but one thing that I've noticed is um, just being aware of like the vocabulary that you use and asking yeah. people can make a big difference. One thing yeah. that's been effective for me, it might not be effective for everyone, but has, has really changed for me is not asking people if they want to study the Bible with me, but if they want to read the Bible with me. And that's just a small variation, but it's amazing. Like people are like, whoa, no, I don't want to study. But studying the Bible is reading the Bible. <laughs> and like if if I if you present it in the way of like, I like to read the Bible, do you want to read the Bible with me? 
people have been more open to that in my experience. Now that might not work for everyone, but just, just being aware of like how people respond to things. Is I think that's helpful because probably to some people study sounds like you're going to come and you're going to have a program from your denomination and here's your syllabus and you're going to go through and go through these studies with me. The other, you're saying, hey, would you like to read the Bible together? And that puts the Lord up here and us down here. That's very helpful. All right, one more question. Who have you known that's been effective at correcting a brother when he needs to be corrected? And what was it they did or didn't do that was particularly effective? I'll throw one out while, while y'all are thinking. One thing is helpful to notice the difference between the things in 1 Thessalonians 5. Admonish the disorderly. Encourage the faint-hearted. Support the weak, if I'm remembering correctly. I may have a couple of those reversed. But it helps to pay attention to whether or not they're faint-hearted or discouraged or disorderly. Uh, and some people need some support and encouragement. Some people need rebuke. I'll tell a quick story about a fellow uh, preacher I know told the story about this guy. He was always annoyed with something, upset about something. And the church there, they would generally uh, agree in a business meeting to, at daylight savings time, adjust the time of services. It's just a thing that they happen to do. Well, one year they forgot to bring it up in the business meeting. And then it was Sunday morning. Oh, you know, daylight savings time's coming up. Do we, do we want to do that? And a couple of them ahead of time said, do we want to do that? Yeah, okay, go ahead and announce it. So they announced it. And so this brother was ready in the best of the said, Well, I reckon I'll be looking for a new place to go to church. That should have been done in the business meeting. And the preacher knew the guy knew what kind of a guy he was. And have you ever had a friend, just a word to the wise is sufficient? Just a gentle nudge is all it takes. And, there, and then there are people that a two by four upside the head is, is somebody else's nudge. So this was that kind of a guy. So the preacher said, you know, you just do that. You just leave here and you go somewhere else. And you intend there until some little thing doesn't go your way. And then you pitch a fit and you leave that place. And you find a different congregation worship at. And you worship there until some little thing doesn't make you happy or doesn't go your way. And then you complain about it, pitch a fit, and you leave that place and you go somewhere else. And then you just keep doing that and doing that and doing that until you don't have any place at all. And the fellow said, I think I just learned more from that than I did in any Bible class. <laughs> he, he, he knew the fellow he was talking to, and that wouldn't have been an appropriate answer for somebody else, but he knew the fellow well enough to know, this is what this guy needs to hear. And the guy had ears to hear and heard. And, and I, I don't know, it kind of jumps, jumps in line with that. I, I know an individual who, um, I don't know if they thought they were particularly good at 
at dealing with uh, problems or, 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 you know, addressing issues and discipline and correction and things like that. But, but the one thing I knew about this individual was, um, like the, the preacher in the story that you're telling, telling us just now, uh, they always did what they could to recognize, here's a moment where this person needs a conversation. I almost said a talking to. It's not always a talking to. Yeah, yeah. But, but here is somebody who I need to talk to or I need to talk with. And they always found a way to make it work. Um, sometimes it's you, you know, they had to do the phone call later. I'd find out that they did this phone call with somebody later because, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, everyone's on the way out of the building and we're just, and he was just understanding that there's this need, um, but usually try to, to do an in-person conversation. But what struck me that was, um, helpful was that this person always stuck their neck out and tried to have the conversation. I don't know if every conversation went well or not, but said, I've noticed this thing, or um, uh, why are you doing this? Or have you ever thought of just always tried to have that conversation? And I think that that's going to be um, over time, if, we're, if we continue to try to speak, try to connect, try to address something, uh, say, I, I noticed this. And I, that I'm not sure about this. Can you explain it and, and get them to talk with you? The more that we do that, I think the better we'll be, the more wise we'll get, we'll know how to say the right things and we'll get better and better over time. But without trying uh, in every opportunity that we see, we're never going to get that chance. It's a lot like the story from Justin. Um, if you ever see someone who needs a talking to, say yes and get up and do it and and always always try that that's what i've learned from somebody and when people there, there's an old saying people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care there was a fellow i was working with i baptized him and he wasn't growing all that well and then he was starting to not come and he was not being strong wasn't being faithful and then he came back to church one of the sisters uh, had written him a note and said she'd been missing him at church and probably said been praying for you and hope to see you again. Now, if if I'd have called him again that day, you know, he's expect okay, the preacher's call, you know, it, it, it might not have meant as much, but somebody else, just a kind encouragement. And she did, and there again, sometimes you need rebuke, sometimes you don't. What helped him at that time was just that other sister just dropping a kind note, we miss you. Yeah. I'll share just share an occasion um, where a a couple actually met with me uh, to challenge me on some things, and I had um, been stumbling in some bad habits, and they had noticed it and they'd seen it, uh, and they asked me to meet with them, and there wasn't anything particularly smooth about it it was very uncomfortable um but it was very needed and there were just a few things that stood out to me from that uh and kind of like dan was saying i don't think this couple would say if they're particularly good at uh, i think the person who thinks they're good at confronting people about sin probably shouldn't do it um just because like we shouldn't be happy to go and confront someone about sin shouldn't be eager to do that uh, but it needs doing. And so we need to, you know, we're obligated and we want to help people. Uh, you go and seek the lost. But this couple, they were in the middle of moving. 
um, that was what stood out to me first was they said, we'd like to meet with you. And I, I went over to their apartment and all their stuff is in boxes. They're in the middle of chaos and meeting with me to confront me about something was more important than getting their life settled. Um, the other thing was I could tell that even as they talked with me, just through the conversation, they weren't just trying to pin me. Um, they, they wanted me to do well. They were, they were concerned for me. They weren't just trying to find fault. Uh, they wanted me to repent and build better habits and serve the Lord wholeheartedly. Um, but secondly, what that, what that did was it helped me to look past just behavior um, and really start looking at heart issues. There were some things that they had questions about. And so, you know, we noticed this, we noticed this, that raised a concern for us because it might've come from this kind of heart. What were you wanting in that situation? Why did you choose that? And uh, it, it led to confession on my part. You know, that was right. And I didn't do that right. And uh, my heart was wanting this. And it went past just behavior and confronted me where I, where I was wrong in my desires. But lastly, and probably most effectively, um, when, when there was good repentance and I was working uh, in a better direction, they uh, affirmed their love for me. They spent time with me. Um, they didn't just treat the correction like a, um, a one-time hit and then we're done and then we back off and then carry on as usual. What they did was they began to care and spend intentionally spent time to, uh, to confirm that they cared about me and to care about my family. Uh, I think 2 Corinthians 2 speaks to that. You know, there's this person who's repented and Paul says, you know, uh, it, it's sufficient. You know, he's turned. So now you need to rather, rather reaffirm your love for him, lest he despair and fall away. And you know, I felt so convicted and I was just hurt by what I'd done. Um, but the fact that they weren't done with me helped me a lot to stay faithful in that moment. So that was, that was great. That's powerful. That's very helpful. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for, uh, your discussion on that. Thanks Scott for those questions. I hope that, uh, what we've been able to talk about has been helpful. Um, like we said at the beginning, our intention is to direct people to the Lord, to the scriptures and kind of the consistent theme in all of those examples are people that are trying to model them model their lives after the scriptures after after Christ and he's our ultimate example so I will do well to, to follow his example um, if anyone in our audience has any further questions about what we've talked about today or maybe some other uh, things you'd like us to discuss have practical tips how to approach things from a biblical perspective uh, we'd like to hear from you so you can give your questions to us at biblequest.tv and we'll be looking forward to getting those in our future shows. But that's all that we have for this week. So we will plan on seeing everyone next week, Lord willing.